0: Hey, hey guys, and welcome back, finally, to another episode of Getting Uneven. I am Alex Corson, your host as always and forever. It's been a while. Uh, It's been some crazy stuff. If you're listening to this in the future, the star date, or I guess Earth date, is March, what is this, 18th, thousand and twenty. The great toilet paper wars are commencing. Coronavirus is going everywhere, apparently, and everything is shutting down. When I say everything, I mean society as a whole, common sense, bars, all that stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. This is a good uh, a good sort of diary log, historical notation if you want it um it's really interesting everybody's going crazy in case like i said you're listening to this in the future go back and remember that everybody started buying up all the toilet paper everybody started buying up all the water everybody finally learned how to wash their damn hands and everybody actually started doing stuff like that jobs actually realized that hey we can let people work from home hey we can give flexible sick leave and paid sick leave and paid time off and all this different stuff. I guess it is a possibility and they did it all within a week. So it's interesting, you know, um, necessity spurs creation a lot of times. So it's really interesting, but anyways, uh, I am back. We are back. I am healthy. I'm good. Knock on wood. Haven't caught anything yet. Um, but yeah, so let's get our minds off of all this and talk about some crazy Bermuda triangle. That's right. We are talking about that today, the craziness, the stuff that, one of those things that, when you first get into the creepy, weird stuff, um, it is one of those things that just hits you right off the bat. It is like weirdo stuff 101, you know? It is like, we you have to know about this. Like You don't have to know everything about it, but you know of it. Everybody's heard of the Bermuda Triangle. Um, and if the coronavirus didn't make you scared to travel, then the Bermuda Triangle probably would. Um, it's really interesting. So, uh, yeah, let's jump right into it. So, what is the Bermuda Triangle? Let's talk about it. There are some, let's define it. There are some pictures up on Instagram and Facebook, uh, sort of showing where it is. Um, so it's the region, the actual area, like the actual boundaries of it have been sort of debated for a while, but we're going to go with the most common ones. Um, it's about a 500,000, plus square mile sort of area. It is a triangle. Uh, the three points are Miami, Florida, Puerto Rico, and Bermuda. Henceforth the Bermuda Triangle. Um, it is... Like I said, about 500,000 miles of area. It's water, pretty much all water there. Um, It's also known as the Devil's Triangle or Hurricane Alley. If you know anything about hurricanes or anything like that, um, going up towards Florida, shout out to Leanna. You know who you are. Haley's friend, my uh, fiancé's best friend. Anyways... uh. Those hurricanes love to hit Florida, love to go right up through there. They do hit South Texas and all throughout Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. But, of course, Florida is known for their hurricanes. So that area there is just where everything sort of builds up. Um, You know, the Bermuda Triangle is something that is really interesting. If you look at the numbers, Um, over the last 100 years alone, it's claimed over a 1,000 lives. Um, so it's something that when you start to look into it, it's really interesting that one area, one specific area constantly takes so much, just causes so much damage, takes lives and it's really interesting, you know, it's, it's a pattern and a lot of people say that where there's a pattern, where there's fire, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, and when there's a pattern, something's got to be going on. We're going to be looking at it today and... We might actually be able to debunk this one, you guys. We're going to try to today. It's really interesting. Um, But yeah, it's really, really fascinating. So as I said, uh, there is a pattern there that we see, right? And humans are very good at spotting patterns. Um, If you do your research, we can see that. We see patterns anywhere. Um, There's something called pareidolia, which is seeing patterns where seeing patterns in realistically unorganized groups so it can be something as easy as simple as oh man you know every sixth day you know five babies are born you know does that mean that every sixth day five babies gonna be born every single fixed sixth day in this area no but it's interesting we always try to see that instead of looking at other possibilities whatever whether it be stresses or whatever it may be um, or of course a big thing is seeing faces. Um, if you, if there's anything around you right now, a wall, a floor, a curtain, a uh, couch, whatever it may be, look at it. Um, and look at the pattern and I guarantee you within probably 10 seconds you'll see a face. You'll see two eyes, a mouth, a nose, whatever. You'll find a face. We're very good at seeing patterns and seeing things like that, especially faces. Um, this is going to go with facts as well, like I said, so we're going to see these patterns. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes there are patterns that we need to see. Um, You know, for instance, I talked about coronavirus saying, hey, you know what it looks like when people get within six feet of each other or when we gather more than a certain amount of people, more than 10 people, um, the virus spreads. So maybe we should stay more than six feet apart and maybe we should have groups of 10 or less people, you know, so. You know, it can come in handy sometimes. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But here are some pattern noticers. So, on September seventeenth, 1950, um, the first person to sort of write about it was a Miami Herald writer named Edward Van Winkle Jones. That's right, Edward Van Winkle Jones. Uh, pretty cool guy. He just sort of talked about there have been a lot of things going on. Um, a lot of weird, a lot of he had brought up the fact that there were a lot of wrecks and a lot of shipwrecks and a lot of plane crashes, um, and he just thought it was interesting. Now, piggybacking on this wasn't for another couple years, 1952. Um, in Fate magazine, George Sand wrote a, a article, an article called uh, "Sea Mystery at Our Back Door," so. He covered the loss of several ships and planes and stuff like that, sort of like Edward uh, Van Winkle-Jones had. However, he included something called uh, Flight 19. So, this was a big deal. Um, After World War II, a few months after it ended, um, there were a group of Navy torpedo bombers that were testing dropping torpedoes uh, in that area, in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, And on December 5th, 1945, uh, they disappeared. Like I said, it was five planes. They were called Flight 19. That was their group name. And they disappeared out of nowhere. Um, So it was sort of brought up again in 1962, uh, 10 years after George Sand brought it up in the American Legion magazine. uh, The writer Alan W. Eckert brought it up. So some interesting stuff about this. The flight leader had been heard saying, we're entering white water. Nothing seems right. We don't know where we are. The water is green. No, wait, it's white. So he's confused. He's saying you're entering white water and then green water and then white water and all this stuff's going on. And it's really weird. Um, officials uh, at the Navy Board of Inquiry stated that the planes, quote unquote, flew off to Mars um, then of course after they disappeared they sent a rescue crew out but here's the weird thing there's a 13man rescue crew in planes the rescue plane disappeared as well just disappeared no wreckage was ever found of these planes of the five in flight 19 or the rescue plane um, but the big thing you hear is that George sands, article in Fate Magazine, was the first to suggest a supernatural element to any of these. He mostly focused on Flight 19. So, starting to get a little bit of a... That's our first real sort of foundation of, there's something weird going on here. So a few years later, in February of 1964, Vincent Gaddis, uh, he published an article called The Deadly Bermuda Triangle. In the pulp magazine called Argosy or Argosy, A R G O S Y, uh, he brought up Flight Nineteen and other disappearances, and he said they were a pattern of strange events in this region. Um, he also ended up writing a book the next year, uh, in which in which he basically expanded on this article, and it was called Invisible Horizons. So we're in; it's the '60s where we really start to see. 50s and 60s, we really start to see this sort of thing poke its head, where we're starting to really talk about, hey, man, there's some weird stuff going on here. Could it be more than just crashes, you know? Um, But those weren't the only things to happen. Flight 19 was not the only thing to happen. And so we're going to get in now to some notable incidents. We're not going to cover everything that's ever happened at Bermuda Triangle because we'd be here for weeks. Now, granted, we're all being quarantined, so we'd probably have time, but we're just going to go over some notable ones. Now, before we do this, I am going to take one quick break. Okay, guys, so let's talk about some of these weird incidents. So we're going to basically go in chronological order. So because of that we get to start off with something really cool that a lot of people haven't actually heard of. Um we're actually going to talk about Christopher Columbus on the night of October 11th, 1492. Uh Christopher Columbus and his crew of the Santa Maria reported seeing an unknown light uh just before landing at uh I always had a I think it's Guanahani. So Christopher Columbus said that he saw a glowing light. Uh, It looked like a small wax candle that rose and lifted up, uh, which to few sort of seemed to be an indication of land. Um, So, you know, if somebody, let's say he's going to a port, they would take a candle and they would wave it in a certain direction, up, down, left, right, whatever, to say, hey, you're at land. Sort of like a lighthouse, if you will, right? But just with a candle and the, 15th century um but obviously he's thinking i have no idea where i am i'm on the other side of the world this there's nobody here expecting me right um so it's really odd another weird thing that him and a few other he and a few other sailors noted during that voyage was that their compasses stopped working correctly um this is something that we'll talk about later but the compasses ceased to work correctly. Um, we're going to skip ahead now, quite a bit—about 400 years. We're going to start covering some more well-covered things, well-recorded incidents. The USS Cyclops—it um, was a U.S. ship, and on March 4th, 1918, there was a crew of 309. Uh, it departed off the island of the Barbados. Um, it did have an engine out of action, uh, and it was also c- carrying a full load of manganese. Uh, manganese is used to make clear glass, helped in the production of steel. Um, it lowers the octane rating of gasoline. Um, but then here's the interesting thing: of course, it disappears in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, now, it did have two twin sister ships. Um, Here's the interesting thing also. That one one disappeared in 1918. During World War II, both of its twin sister ships disappeared in the Atlantic uh, during World War II. So it's not thought to be um, war-related. It was not taken out by any kind of U-boats or anything. Um, They were also carrying some metallic ore. So we talk about the compass is not working, magnetism possibly is what pops in a lot of people's head at first. They're all carrying metallic ore. What's going on? So it's really interesting. Um, now let's talk about the Carol A. Deering. Carol A. Deering was a schooner, a small boat. Um, it uh, was sailing around this area, the Bermuda Triangle area. Then on January 31st, 1921, it ran aground with no one aboard in Diamond Shoals, North Carolina. Um, It was also interesting because a still-hold freighter named the S.S. Hewitt disappeared at the exact same time. It disappeared. And this crew that was on the Carolei Deering, the small schooner, 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 uh, the crew was gone. It was abandoned. They don't know where it was. Flight 19 we talked about, um, of course, in 1945. Um, And then Star Tiger and Star Aerial were two um, planes that disappeared in 1948 and 1949. They were going from Azores to Bermuda. It's really interesting. Um, A Douglas DC-3 had gone off course and possibly... Um, It was flying over this area. On December 28th, 1948, it was a commercial flight from San Juan, Puerto Rico to Miami. So from two of the points where the Bermuda Triangle is, San Juan, Puerto Rico to Miami, it was carrying three crew and 29 passengers. And like I said, on December 28th, 1948, it disappeared. Gone. Um, Let's see. The Conamera 4... Was a pleasure yacht. Um, it was in Bermuda, and then uh, on September twenty second, nineteen fifty five, somebody found it just floating, and floating down there near Bermuda, and the crew had vanished. There was no trace of the crew or anybody on it at all. Really odd. Um, this one was really interesting as well. Um, the They were a pair of KC-135 Stratotankers, okay? They're planes. And in 1963, on August 28th, the pair crashed at the exact same time. They were flying together, but they crashed at the exact same time, 160 miles apart. So it's really, it's a big area to be, big ways to be apart. Um the USS Pickering in 1800 so this isn't necessarily in order we're just sort of going back now looking at other stuff um it was lost at sea with 90 people on board um the USS wasp 1814 was lost at sea with 140 people aboard so in those two things alone 18 year, uh, 14 years apart i'm sorry 14 years apart we've lost 230 people and it was just gone Uh, it's, it's insane. Um. July 2015. So this is recent, guys. This is less than five years ago. Um. There were two 14-year-old boys. Austin Stefano's and Perry Cohen. They went on a fishing trip in their 19-foot boat. So two 14-year-old boys just enjoying the summer. Um. But they didn't come home like they should have um and there was a 15,000 square nautical mile search um but they were never found again the boat was there ne- the boat was not found or anything but one year later to the day one year later to the day the boat washed ashore so that's really creepy <laughs> Really creepy, I'm not going to lie. There's something in Bimini, Bahamas, uh, called the Great Isaac Lighthouse. There were two um, keepers who sort of ran, you know, kept it up and everything, made sure everything was good. Um, They disappeared. And it's in the Bermuda Triangle. They just disappeared one day in 1969. Um, So here's something really interesting. I saved this one for last because it's really, really interesting. So there's a pilot named Bruce Guerin. One day, he was flying through the area, um, and he said that he lost about 28 minutes of his own time. He didn't remember 28 minutes of going on. He said that there was a, what he described as a time-warping cloud tunnel. So a cloud tunnel, like basically imagine a tunnel made of clouds that he went through. This affected his instruments. His instruments started acting up like crazy he lost his 20 minutes, but then his three hour trip, three hour tour, three hour trip took only a little over an hour. So he's saying that it should have taken him three hours, 180 minutes. Instead, it only took him about 75 minutes to get where he needed to go. So there was some kind of time warp that happened uh, when he was flying through there. It's really, really fascinating. Um, we're going to look at these, all these incidents over again in a minute when we have a little more information, but let's look at the stats here. So over the last 75 years, there have been 25 listed crashes. Um, there have been 924 fatalities, but here's the thing out of all those crashes, there've only been 18 survivors. So 924 to 18, that's. Insane, that's the exact opposite of what we're seeing with, like, the coronavirus, you know? I mean, coronavirus is mostly 99 point something percent recovery rate, but, yeah, another topic altogether. But anyways, it's really interesting. Okay, so let's talk about some theories now. So, there's some, obviously, some really interesting theories out there when it comes to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, So here's just a few of them. I'm sure there's more than this. Um, Some believe that it could be leftover technology from the mythical lost continent of Atlantis. Um, There's something there called the Bimini Road. B-I-M-I-N-I. Not bikini. Bimini. The road consists of about a half mile long northeast to southwest linear feature. Sort of composed of sort of rectangular limestone blocks um various claims have made have been made for this being either a wall a road a pier a breakwater or other sort of man-made structure Um, so it's really interesting so basically there's a half mile long sort of line of limestone blocks down there and it looks almost like it could be a road or a wall or something that was once flooded, much like Atlantis was, so some people think that it's basically technology that from the people of Atlantis that's messing with everything um Another big one is magnetic anomalies. A lot of people say that there's something up with that area in the world um that is not right magnetically, so the Bermuda triangle in that area. It's one of only two places in the world where if you take a compass, a magnetic compass, and you you look at it, it will point towards quote-unquote true north instead of magnetic north. So real quick, the basic difference is that true north is basically pointing towards the north pole, um, and magnetic north is basically pointing towards the north magnetic pole, which is sort of like a it's like a wandering sort of point where the Earth's magnetic fields field goes um, like vertically down into the planet. Um, so it follows more magnetism rather than geography. So basically, this compass is following geography rather than magnetism. Um, compasses are supposed to follow magnetism, obviously. So um, it's just really interesting. Um, it's not going to be that far off, but it's definitely odd. Um, the Gulf Stream is another thing that people look at. So it's a major sort of surface current, primarily driven by thermohaline circulation that originates in the Gulf of Mexico and then flows through the Straits of Florida into the North Atlantic. It's basically like a river within the ocean. So if you imagine a stronger current pushing from Mexico out towards the Atlantic. Um, so that if ships go, if they hit it, it's like walking and then imagine hitting trying to walk onto a treadmill that's moving. You're going to get carried away, right? Um, so it's sort of like that. Uh, another thing that people say is human error. That human error caused all of these, which is definitely viable. Um, violent weather. We called it Hurricane Alley for a reason. Like I said, a lot of hurricanes, a lot of nasty weather that pops up there. Um, so it definitely could be. Um, another thing is something called methane hydrates. So it's basically methane bubbles that come up and shoot out of uh, the ocean floor and they disrupt stuff. Um, So there's actually a laboratory experiment um, that was carried out in Australia, and they proved that bubbles can indeed sink a scale model ship by decreasing the density of the water. Um, But then also, you combine that with the Gulf Stream, and the wreckage would be carried away. So it's really interesting that these bubbles can They change the water density, so they basically make it to where it's, you know, less dense. So the water sort of sinks into it, and it bloop, goes right through it and gets knocked up. It gets knocked knocked out like crazy. Not knocked up. Um, it's really interesting. So next we're going to talk about something really interesting. Save the once again. Save the best for last. So there is something called Tech. Uh The U.S. Navy's Atlantic Undersea Test and Evaluation Center, AUTEC, A-U-T-E-C. It's a laboratory that preve- uh, performs uh, integrated three-dimensional hydrospace and aerospace trajectory measurements covering the entire spectrum of the um, undersea simulated warfare. So that's including calibration, classifications, detection, and destruction. Its mission is to assist in establishing and maintaining naval, naval availability. Sorry, guys, I can't talk today. Um, of the United States through testing, evaluation, and underwater research. So, basically, they're doing a lot of research and things like that on naval warfare in this area. Um, some believe that they are responsible for the recent disappearances, um, or even better, that they're actually researching the true source of what's happening. So that they're not responsible, but they know that something's going on. Um, So this place was actually founded in February 26th, on February 26th of 1967. Um, And it's been going ever since, still going today. Um, But yeah, they believe that either they're they're up to it or they know what's going on and they're researching it. So we talked about all this. So right now, what are your thoughts? If you have any thoughts, Pause this episode and shoot me an email. Shoot, you know, at gettingunevenpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot me a message on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want. And tell us what you think is responsible. I said pause it. Tell us what you think out of all this stuff. Or if you have your own theory. Because we're about to get to debunking. Sorry, guys. One more quick break. Okay. So, in 1975, a guy named Larry Cush, uh wrote something called The Bermuda Triangle Mystery. Solved. Uh, in it, he talked about the past sort of claims of some writers on the Bermuda Triangle. Um, He said that they were exaggerated, they were dubious, or just completely unverifiable. Um, The number of ships and aircraft reported missing, he said, in the area was not significantly greater, proportionally speaking, than in any other part of the ocean. Um, So let's talk about that real quick. So this has been something that I've actually said for a long time, and that is that there... You know, look at how busy, historically, the Bermuda Triangle is. If you know that area, if you know your history, your U.S. history, and even just Western history in general, um, you know how busy that area is, you know, with, honestly, the slave trade and with um, sugarcane and tobacco and everything that went on there and all the explorers that went there. Look how busy that area is down by Florida, from Florida, like near South America, all that stuff. It is insane. how many. People go, you know, for pleasure cruises there and for vacation there and in the Bahamas and to Bermuda and all this different stuff. And look at the number of ships and planes that fly through there. Now, there are a lot that go over the Atlantic and they go over America and all that stuff every day. But if you take a 500,000 square mile area anywhere in the world, there's going to be probably... 10 times less traffic in those areas than there is in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, So you're going to have 10 times as much, as many accidents. So for instance, um, take, you know, how many, uh, how many, you know, accidents there are going to be, traffic accidents there are going to be. Are there going to be more traffic accidents in You know, my hometown of Mesquite, Texas, which has, you know, I don't know, 200,000 people or in New York City, which has 13 million. There's going to be a lot more in New York, right? Just because there's a lot more density, a lot more volume of people. You know, there's 60, 70 times more people there than in Mesquite. So there should be 60 or 70 times more accidents. Um, So it's just one of those things. So it is pretty interesting. Um, he also said, "Kush also said that some disappearances had, in fact, never even happened. For instance, there was a plane crash that was said to have taken place in 1937 off of Daytona Beach, Florida, um, in front of hundreds of witnesses. But he checked all the local papers for an entire, I think, month on either side of when he said it when it said it happened, and so a three month span." And there was nothing found in any of the newspapers from 1937. Uh, He said that the legend of the Bermuda Triangle is a manufactured mystery. It's being uh, perpetuated by writers who either purposefully or unknowingly made use of misconceptions, faulty reasoning, and sensationalism. Uh, There was actually... A study done in 2013 uh, by the Worldwide Fund for Nature, they identified the world's 10 most dangerous waters for shipping, and the Bermuda Triangle didn't even make that list. Um, so a lot of that had to do with piracy and things like that. But still, it didn't even make the list. You would think that if there's something going on there, it would just be, it'd be top 10 at least. But here's the interesting thing. So we talk about UFOs and all this stuff and all those weird things, right? Even the Center for UFO Studies, you can go to their website, recognizes that that there is no legitimate evidence for UFOs involvement in this area. They can't even find a reason. These people are literally, their job is looking for reasons why they may be there. And they couldn't. So I talked about the notable incidents before. Um, so let's go look back and look at a few of them and see if we can sort of debunk them. So the first, one of the first ones was the USS Cyclops, the, uh, crew of 309 that went out of action that was lost at sea in 1918. So it was overloaded just like it's twin sister ships were, uh, it was overloaded with more than it was designed for. Plus it had an engine out of action. So leaving there, it was just doomed to fail from the beginning. You're going to see this a lot. Um, So the Carol A. Deering, the schooner that left on January 31st, 1921, ran aground with nobody there in North Carolina. Um, A lot of people think that it was piracy due to Prohibition. 1921, Prohibition was big. They had a lot of stuff, and they, they sort of, you know, were pirated, basically. Flight 19. We talked about Flight 19, the five ships that went away, um, so there was actually navigational errors, um, that led to them running out of fuel, so they actually were told to go a certain way, um, but the pilot, who was an experienced pilot, he actually went the wrong way, he started going east instead of west, um, I don't know why he started doing this, but he started going east, away from America, actually, um, And then, uh, so basically they ran out of fuel and they crashed, unfortunately. Um, then the rescue craft that I said was actually coming for them, that rescue craft was actually known to catch fire. It wasn't used very often, but that was the only thing they had at the time and they used it and most likely caught fire and was gone forever. The Star Tiger and Star Aerial, the two ships that, just two planes that, um, disappeared from 48 to 49, um... They tr- they were going on a trip of over twenty two hundred miles, which was like right at the edge of their range. So any any error would have caused them to run out of fuel and crash. Um, that Douglas DC three, the commercial flight from Puerto Rico to Miami, there was a lot of stuff wrong with this one, guys. The uh, the maintenance records were incomplete. The batteries were low on water and electrical charge. They were one hundred eighteen pounds over their limit. And there were strong, strong, strong winds that would have pushed everything off course. That was just crazy. Um, the Connemara 4, the uh, pleasure yacht in 1955, um, that the crew vanished. Most likely what happened was that there were a few hurricanes. The ship actually survived three separate hurricanes. So the ship was fine, but the, it was hit by three separate hurricanes during the time that it was out in 1955. So three hurricanes a lot of people believe that the crew was simply slowly washed away, taken off the ship. Um, the shadow tankers, the ones that dis dissip- that um, crashed 160 miles apart in 1963, most likely um, they collided. They were doing some training exercise and they collided. Um, and the sea pushed them apart with the Gulf stream that we talked about. Um, there was some debris actually wrapped, found wrapped in seaweed, um, and a buoy. So it was sort of anchored there. So it couldn't get pushed away. So if you're like, oh man, there's 160 miles apart, but then a bunch of this debris was anchored there because this buoy and seaweed. And then the rest of it got carried away. You know, it would have all been carried away if that little bit hadn't been anchored down. So, it's really nothing crazy there. Um, The USS Pickering in 1800 with 90 people aboard. Um, It was actually lost in a gale. A gale is a bunch of strong wind um, of sustained speeds of at least 55 miles an hour. So, 1800, uh, we've been making ships for a long time, but they definitely weren't that great. Um, So, 55 miles an hour at least... Hitting it that could do all different stuff. The USS Wasp, 140 people. There was a large storm that came through at that time, most likely um, hit that ship. Um, the two 14 year old boys, Austin Stefanos and Perry Cohen, were said um, people think they were just lost at sea. They were two 14 year olds and they were just in an area way too large for them. Um, the Great Isaac Lighthouse. Hurricane. Hurricane came and hit those two keepers, and probably took them away. Um, the really interesting one of Bruce Garrett, the one they said he lost 28 minutes, the three-hour tour, three-hour tour, took him just a little over an hour. With the time-warping clouds and stuff like that, people say that there are things called rollover clouds. Rollover clouds sort of have this wispy effect, and they make it look like a tunnel, if you will, um, there are a bunch of strong air currents that cause that that sort of rollover cloud, um, and because of that, um, they could have pushed them, pushed the plane, giving it more thrust than it was used to um, and when that happens, when you go through those clouds like that, static electricity builds up, and with the technology at the time and any technology really, the static electricity is going to mess with your instruments, making it seem like funky something funky is going on. So, some people are gonna say that we're we're stretching and we're just giving simple explanations storms all different stuff storms oh those are that's an easy castaway of saying, oh, it's just a storm oh these two boys were way out of their comfort zone oh man, now you're really stretching and saying all this different stuff about static electricity and all this stuff but Occam's razor says the simplest explanation is often the the correct one, and you know what that's right. <laughs> And I believe that, a, I do believe in a lot of these things that people are saying. I don't think there's anything weird about the Premier Triangle, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think it's just that there's a lot of stuff that goes on there, and I think that two things happen. One, there's going to be a lot more crashes, but two, it's sort of hysteria. The fact that you amp yourself up um, is a great study I love to bring up to people, and that's um, that... There was a study done where they told people, hey, we want to bring, it was a thousand people, we're going to bring you into this room, we're going to ask you some questions, just get you a sociological um, sort of experiment. And then they came in and they said about an hour in, they said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, there's been a breach, a loss of um, a liquid, a pathogen, and it's going through the air system right now. We have to keep you in this room. Let us know if you have any side effects. The side effects include headaches, they include um, a, some dizziness and a trembling in the left hand. There's almost nothing, especially not this pathogen they said that they made up, um, that is going to give you a trembling in only the left hand. So after about an hour, out of the 1,000 people, 920 came up and said they had trembling in the left hand. Um, so these people were making themselves believe that they were sick. And it happens all the time. You hear about it all the time. So when you're going into the Permuda Triangle, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, man, I hope there's nothing going on. Every little thing, what did we say at the beginning of this? Patterns. We see patterns. We're going to find things that we think are weird and odd, and it's going to be really weird. And we're going to read into them what we want to. So you see a a, a cloud doing something weird. Instead of saying, oh, yeah, well, there is some wind going on right now, you're going like, oh, man, that's got to be really weird. Look at that. That's the Bermuda Triangle stuff happening. So it's just really odd. But I don't think there's anything going on. I could be totally wrong. Tell me what you think. Tell me I'm an idiot. Whatever you need to do. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Patreon. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up on Gmail. You know where to find us. I wanted to thank you guys. We have over 132 followers on Facebook now. We have hundreds of listens. Uh, All over our platforms. You know where we are. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on Pocket Cast. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on all that stuff. Um, Hit us up, guys. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. Tell your friends about us. Follow us. All different stuff. Uh, We may have some prizes coming out soon for some followers. So hit that follow button. Hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, Rate and review. Any chance you get wherever you get it. Really appreciate it, guys. Um, Thank you for all of your support. And I hope you have a great time. Don't cough too much. Don't get coronavirus. Um, Stay safe. Wash your hands. Um, Watch what you eat. Watch who you're around. Take care of those you love. Watch the people who are most susceptible in your life. And uh, I know I always talk about creepy stuff and everything, but appreciate every moment you have with everybody. And throughout all this, don't lose yourself, and as always, stay creepy.